I'm very privileged to share the word tonight. Thank you so much for coming out to our INY takeover. Um, and I've got a word tonight, and I'm keen to share it. And are you keen to hear it? Yeah. Okay, well then let's just get into it. Tonight, we are digging into a passage from Jesus that covers many relevant topics, anxiety, our hearts, God's creation, our everyday needs. But in a year of building a courage culture, you know, I've really personally wanted to share a teaching about following Jesus and the call of God. Because living without a strong sense of calling, it generates fear and doubt and worry as a byproduct of not knowing a call. But when you have a call, that dissipates and it produces something else. More specifically, what I'm talking about is, what does God call me to do in my everyday life? How do I work it out? Or in other words, what is my God-given calling? You with me? I'm sure many of you have heard a very cheesy quote from a guy named Mark Twain, which says, find a job you enjoy doing and you will never have to work a day in your life. Anyone heard that before? It's a little bit cheesy. That's okay. We can handle cheese. You know, I'd say Mark Twain summarizes the world's approach to calling. The world's philosophy is the pursuit of happiness. Your calling is your calling if it makes you happy. That's how you confirm or deny it, right? But does that philosophy help a follower of Jesus? Or does it even hinder us from knowing our calling? Many of us here have probably endured the awkward conversations with distant family members at Christmas where they asked you when you were younger, so what are you going to do when you finish school, Jimmy? Or if you're in uni right now, they sort of say, what's next after uni? You know, what's next after this? What's coming up? Now, they're innocent questions, obviously. They're not asked from a, from a cruel heart or anything like that. But when you are unsure, it's kind of like asking what is the meaning of life because I don't see much meaning going on right now. Like, that's kind of, it's backhanded, okay? While you're really, your more immediate concern is just avoiding spilling gravy on the new shirt that grandma got you for Christmas, right? You're not looking to go deep, yet you get confronted with the biggest question of all. And many of us, if I'm being honest, we float sometimes in life. We float a little bit, especially when we're on the other side of finishing school or... We venture into adult life. There's a little bit of floating, a little bit of I'm unsure if this is right or what I should do next. And the longer that it drags on, the more doubt, anxiety, heartbreak, even resentment we feel either towards ourselves because we can't figure it out, our God because he can't make it clear, or our uncle who asked the question. <laughs> Have you ever felt that pressure that I'm talking about? Have you felt the anxiety of trying to find your calling or know your calling, but you don't know what to do? Or maybe you're at the other end and there's a calling that you've had, but it feels like that calling is fading or it's flickering. It's a long-held career, but the flame is going out or the fire is extinguishing or there's a push within yourself for a change, but there's a comfort involved in the calling that you've got, and you just don't know the way forward. 
What does Jesus say to his followers about what to do with our everyday life? Well, that's what we are going to explore tonight. So if this is helpful for you, or if this is a message that you can pass on to somebody else, then I'm going to pray that God is going to use this to help many. So let's pray. Father God, Lord, we want your calling. We want your voice. We want to know what you want us to do. It's not about what we want. It's about what you want. And so, God, we're going to the best place we know to find that out. It's to your words, Lord Jesus. Your words are our lamp and our guide that lights the path. So help us, Lord Jesus, to discern, to know what to do and what not to do by the power of your word. In Jesus' name, and everyone said? Amen. Amen. All right, you with me? Give me a yeah. Yeah. Give me a okay. All right, let's do it. Let's jump right to the end first. I'm going to spoil it. It says this in Matthew 6.33. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. If you've ever thought, I have no idea what God is calling me to do with my life, Ditch that thought right now and ask a Matthew 6.33 question, what is my kingdom priority? What is my kingdom priority? To seek is to get to the bottom of it. You seek something to find something. It's the turning the house upside down to find the lost coin, or it's the find your mobile phone under the bed because your fatigued arm has dropped it down the side and you've got to find it, okay? Seeking is not a passive word of pondering, but an active word of action. Now, if I'm being honest, I actually really battle with the concept of the calling of God. Not because I don't think it's there or that it's fake news or something like that, Because the Bible is filled with plenty of examples of both individuals and entire nations being called by God and being directed by Him. But I just, I think I just struggle honestly with the metaphor of calling. It's an auditory word. It's something that you hear, right? I call out to people, so I expect God to call out audibly to me. Or I hear someone calling, so I expect some sort of verbal confirmation from God as I'm walking to know that I'm going the right way. And so I, I struggle with that because I don't hear something like I hear the sound of Mila crying in my face for no reason. I hear that, okay? And so when I hear people talking about calling or I hear even testimonies of God told me this or God's calling me to this, I think of it in auditory terms and it just messes with me a little bit. It's just hard to fully grasp. Does anyone here maybe struggle with that a little bit, you know? Maybe it's discouraged you. And yeah, I'm not hearing his voice in the way I'd hear your voice calling me out. That's the struggle. But what is clear in words from Jesus in his gospel is this very passage that we've read out. We've got the calling here. Seek the kingdom of God above all else. Or seek first the kingdom in other translations. So what this means is there are priorities God actively wants us to pursue. 
And he wants these kingdom priorities to be first. Kingdom priorities. That's the title of my message. Now, we've also got this bit about living righteously. Okay, so if we put up Matthew 6, it's up there. Seek first the kingdom of God above all else, priority, and live righteously. And he will give you everything you need. And if you want to know what living righteously looks like, then read Matthew 5 and Matthew 6, because that's where he sort of spells it out. Okay, it's the... Um, it's the commands to not hide our lights under a lamp basket, but to shine it out. That's our good deeds, okay? So living righteously, it has a purpose. It's got a, it's got a kingdom purpose. We're not going to talk about that tonight. Okay, that's important to this command, but we're going to put it to the side. Read Matthew 5 and 6 and 7. But tonight we have a focus on seeking the kingdom first. So what does Jesus mean by seeking the kingdom first? Well, understanding the message of this passage within the Sermon of the Mount, which is where it comes from, is a bit like a gold chain. How good does this look? Is it real? Is it not? I don't know. Maybe I should just throw it out. Okay? It's a bit like a gold chain. Okay? And when we approach the Bible, and actually this is something that Pastor Jack's been teaching us the last couple of Sunday mornings about context and the interlinking of the Bible, okay? We don't just read the Bible by digging up a small gold nugget, like seek first the kingdom. It has value, yes. It has value to us. But if we see it less like a gold nugget and more like one of many chain links that Jesus is trying to set up, okay, then we can see a bigger picture. Because if we say, well, seek first the kingdom of God, we could all, we're all pretty creative people. We could come up with a lot of things that are seeking the kingdom of God. Maybe I've got to build a throne in my room, in my house, and that's me seeking first the kingdom. But this passage is within a greater context. And I want to look through that context to you so that you can see what Jesus is really trying to get us to see here, okay? So we're, we're linking together lots of little links, okay? It's quite sandy, so I'm going to put it back in the beach. All right. So, are you still with me? Can you guys handle a bit of dig deeping? Because this is just me, all right? We're going to go for it. All right. So we're in verse 33, okay? But before verse 33, Jesus gives us three metaphors and a final rhetorical argument, a final He's putting forward something and he wants you to hear it, okay? Three metaphors, three images, and then a final argument. And he's trying to win over our hearts and our heads, okay? And make no mistake about this, Jesus is more than a friend of sinners. He's a king building a kingdom. He's a ruler that has priorities. So these three examples are based on how a follower sees the world differently when they surrender to King Jesus, how they see the world differently. There's a way of the world, and there's a way of the kingdom of God. Followers of Jesus resist the world, and they embrace the kingdom, yes? They are in the world, but they are not of the world. They are out of this world. Thank you, Ali out of this world. Anyone wearing a space man right now? Shout out, Ella. You should have called that out. You knew that. They are out of this world. All right. 
So that's my setup. Let's dig into scripture. Are you ready? Link number one. Here we go. It says this in verse 19. Don't store up your treasures here on earth where moths eat them and rust destroy them. Store your treasures in heaven where moths do not eat and rust does not destroy. Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also be. All right, link number one, treasure, metaphor, treasure. There's earthly treasure. And what Jesus means here, hey Mila, is anything temporary, anything that can fade, whether it's a toy car or your sweet Lamborghini, it can rust. Anything that can be taken away from you, career, house, clothing, money, Jesus isn't saying that earthly treasure is evil necessarily, but prioritizing it, storing it up, that's, that's prioritizing it, storing it up is not the goal. And also he's saying that earthly treasure has a bit of a superpower because it can shape our hearts and our desires. It has that power over us, earthly treasure. So followers of Jesus are called to guard their heart from the lure of earthly treasure, right? Look at these fake coins. All right, earthly treasure. You following it? Okay. Instead, followers of Jesus, they desire heavenly treasure. What's the opposite of temporal things? Eternal things. What is truly eternal? God is. We read that the new heaven and the new earth is. Others are. Look at the person next to you and say, you're a kingdom priority. (laughs) It's true. The person next to you is a heavenly treasure. You are a kingdom priority. And then say it to yourself, I'm a kingdom priority. Yeah, people over there said it, great. You are. You're a kingdom priority. So you want to work out your kingdom priority? Number one, kingdom priority has eternal treasure driving your desires. Eternal treasure driving your desires. 1 John 2, 17, and this world is fading away. It's temporal, along with everything that people crave, desire. But anyone who does what pleases God will live forever. Eternal treasure needs to drive your desires. So if you're trying to figure out the calling of God, this is a criteria that Jesus has given us. It's one link in the chain. All right, number two. The second metaphor is about light, light. It says in verse 22, your eye is like a lamp that provides light for your body. When your eye is healthy, your whole body is filled with light. But when your eye is unhealthy, your whole body is filled with darkness. And if the light you have is actually darkness, how deep that darkness is. 
Now, I've said this a few times, but it's important to see that Jesus is linking together an argument here. He's building something. These aren't just separate little nuggets of gold. We're building something together, okay? And the link is between the heart and the eye. What treasure is in your heart? Because where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. What object is in your eye? Or what object is your eye locked onto? You know, it's a beautiful moment to look into the eyes of someone you love and to see your reflection. Not just because you're handsome, (laughs) okay? It's not all about you. But because you realize you have their full attention. When you're looking in their eyes long enough to see yourself in it and they haven't blinked or closed their eye or looked at something up in the roof, but you actually see it, then you know that you've got their full attention. So, are we giving our attention again to eternal things? Or are we fixed on dark things, dead things, temporary things, things that are expiring? Or even worse, as Jesus is pointing out here, now listen to this, are we fixated on things that we think are eternal, but are actually temporary? Like thinking you are looking at light, but actually it's darkness. Jesus puts that in an extra, a whole next category of being deceived and missing it, okay? How many kids have felt the pain of family who have pursued temporary treasure over the eternal hearts of their kids. This is where Jesus is leading us to to see this, right? And by your grace, God, I pray for restoration and renewal and forgiveness to come. But this is the, the crux of it, right? The temporary over the eternal You want to work out your kingdom priority? Well, number two, kingdom priority has eternal vision holding your attention. One, eternal treasure driving your desires. Two, eternal vision holding your attention. All right, the final metaphor is slavery. And he's short and sharp and to the point with this one. We've gone from three verses to two verses and now just one. He says this in verse 24. No one can serve two masters, for you will hate one and love the other. You cannot serve God and be enslaved to money. We've had some contrasts so far, some dichotomies. One or the other, earthly versus heavenly, light versus darkness. But now, Jesus rams this home into our hearts. He's linking some pieces together here, okay? It's all connected, but he's ramming something home. He's saying, money or me, money or me, my kingdom or the kingdom of the world, who will you serve Or better yet, who will you enslave yourself to? 
That's what he's saying. It's not me. It's Jesus. The tone actually shifts. It becomes very clear what Jesus is saying. Matt, in your everyday life, with what you choose to study or do for work or spend your time or lead your family, will the temporary kingdom or the eternal kingdom be your priority? That's what Jesus is asking me. Because that's what I'm asking for, Matt. Eternal treasures, light, come under my leadership. Don't enslave yourself to the world. Kingdom priority has eternal rule, the rule of Jesus, compelling our actions. Eternal rule compelling our actions. Who do you want to be ruled by? Young person? Young adult? The dads, the mums in this room? The pastors even? Who do you want to be ruled by? The feeling I get from this though is that it's almost as if Jesus knows the answer that we would all agree with, right? Of course, eternal things. Of course. Yeah. When he, when he spells it out like that, it's, 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 you see the, the, the flaws in the temporary and the, the gold in the eternal, okay? But there is also this other question in our hearts, but what about the temporal things? Jesus, we can't starve to death. You know, man's got to eat. We all need bread. And we can't really preach the kingdom or follow Jesus if we're dying of dehydration. <laughs> no clothes on our back. They won't go well, right? Jesus, are you like Moses leading us into the desert to die so we can get to heaven quicker? <laughs> Forsake the temporal and just focus on the eternal and within a couple of weeks, maximum, we'll be there in eternity. Why don't you just, as soon as we believed in faith, this is what our Pastor Dan said, it was a great thought when he shared at youth. He's like, why didn't God just, as soon as we come to faith, he just transport us to heaven? We get into eternity. There's a reason for that, right? And the reason is found is, King Jesus wants us to do something with the eternal treasure that we have for a reason, right? Now, I'm sure we've all thought about the temporary realities at some point today or even in this message or at some point this week. Have you seen inflation, house prizes, prices, not prizes? That'd be cool. I could give one. I'd love to give one of those away tonight, a house prize. Iron budget. <laughs> Interest rates. Have you seen how much Maccas is paying me? Do you know how much my hex debt is? Look, Jesus, I'm all in, but where does this temporary needs that I've got fit in to this eternal vision that you've got? It's a great question, isn't it, Ali? What do we do with the temporary when the temporary is before us every single day? Well, all the links come together in the final argument that Jesus makes. All of this, eternal treasure, eternal vision, the eternal rule of God. And Jesus says, 
All of that. That's why I tell you not to worry about everyday life. Whether you've got enough food and drink or enough clothes to wear, isn't life more than food and your body more than clothing? Look at those birds. They don't plant or harvest or invest or store food in barns, for your heavenly Father feeds them. And aren't you far more valuable to Him than they are? Can all your worries add a single moment to your life? And why worry about clothing? Look at those lilies in the field and how they grow. They don't work or make clothing, and yet Solomon, in all his glory, was not dressed as beautifully as they are. And if God cares so wonderfully for wildflowers that are here today and thrown into the fire tomorrow, He will certainly care for you. Why do you have so little faith? So don't worry about these things, saying, what will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? These thoughts dominate. Sorry, these things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. But your heavenly Father already knows all your needs. And then verse 33, seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously and he will give you everything you need. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm a bit convicted here by the these things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. Yeah. Am I an unbeliever? Do I have so little faith if these thoughts dominate, take control, enslave me to them? This is Jesus' words. I'm not adding to this. It's his words here. So it's a question of faith. It's a question of faith. And Jesus is saying to us, do you trust me with the temporal while you pursue the eternal? Do you trust me with the temporal while you pursue the eternal? Will you trust me to provide enough money for food while you prioritize building my kingdom? Will you stop working on Fridays because I'm calling you to serve young people and build them up and that's your kingdom priority right now? Will you leave work on time and forsake the promotion so that you can tuck your kids in at bed at night? Will you rebalance your life so you're not studying for the highest paying job because I know that's your desire in your heart. It's not about calling. It's actually about the prestige that comes from that job or the paycheck that comes from that job. And your heart has been shaped by those desires. And so I'm calling you to rebalance what you're doing right now, to lay that study down and pursue something else because it's actually taken your heart. Will you start prioritizing study? So you have a job in the field I'm calling you to work in. Will you begin dreaming about how you can use the gifts that I've given you that you have refined and worked on for my glory and not just your own? These are all the questions that come from the question, do you trust me with the temporal while you pursue the eternal?
I'm going to ask the team to get up. Trust me with the temporary while I entrust eternal treasures in your hands. This, as humbly as I can say it, I really do believe is what this passage is teaching us tonight. It's all about kingdom priorities. We can use the word calling, but that confuses me. But what is clear is that when Jesus is on the throne and he is establishing a kingdom here on earth, which is what what the Gospels are teaching us, then there are priorities that he has for each of his followers that he needs us to prioritize. And there are priorities that we may have, temporary things, that we need to lay down. Okay? Is the Spirit of God speaking to you tonight? Is there conviction coming? What is he saying to you right now in this moment? I might get Sammy, if you can come and remove this. Thank you, Sammy. Last minute co-op. I realized I was speaking and I didn't have a stagehand person. Sammy's always good and reliable for that. What's the Spirit of God saying tonight? I'm honestly, I'm not here trying to be overly confrontational or think that I have got it all together. Trust me, when I, honestly, when I preach a word like this, I, I become fully aware of how sometimes temporary things dominate my thoughts. Just being real. And it's, it's natural. Okay, it's a natural part of this world. And it's also the culture of this world. Okay, the messaging about being a self-made person or having the house, kids, the dog, all that sort of stuff. All of that is ingrained in our culture. So I get that. Okay, I get that. But when we get confronted by what Jesus is saying to us and he says, seek first the kingdom of God, we've just got to simply ask ourselves, what is my kingdom priority? And what priorities are in the way that is stopping that kingdom priority from taking hold of my life? It's a simple word, but it's a, it's a, you're going to have to be really brave. You might have to drop some things that are comfortable to really live under that rule. There's going to be faith required. Amen. And we're people of faith. We're not people of things that we see. Amen. We, we are people of the unseen. So, you know, it's on an IMY night without a bit of ministry time. And to compel a bit of action, you know, there is an altar right here. And these guys are going to sing a song, Build My Life. And we're going to create a space for you right now if you want to come forward. And I'm going to get up after we sing this song and I'm going to pray for anyone who needs to know what their kingdom priority is. Okay? I'll tell you what I believe my kingdom priority is. I believe it's to love my wife, to raise my kids, and to pastor young people. Those are the kingdom priorities of my life right now. It's not paying the house. Like that's part of it, but it's not the priority. I could, I'd feel compelled to drop that if one of those three or all of those three faded, right? Because that's what Jesus would call me to do. It'd be hard, but I have to honor what God's saying to me because that's temporary. Ash is eternal. Kids are eternal. Young people are eternal. If you cannot answer the question, what is my kingdom priority? As clear as day is what I just said, 
then please come to God right now. Worship Him. Allow a, a, a space of vulnerability to crack open your heart and maybe allow Him to speak something new or reshape something. Would you do that tonight? Would you allow Him just that little bit of time and maybe your whole priority worldview, value system would be reorganized right now, just from this moment. We're going to worship. The altar's open. Let's press in.